You're listening to Campfire Conversations, brought to you by Three Rivers Land Trust. Connected to the land, committed to conservation. Welcome back, everybody, here to Campfire Conversations. We are live in the podcast studio at Backcountry and Beyond in downtown Salisbury. We've got a returning guest today, Jeff Moose, owner-operator of Backcountry and Beyond. We're going to talk a little bit about, well, a little bit of everything looking here at my notes. Um, Jeff, thank you for coming on today. Appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, I always enjoy being a part of the podcast. Uh, We uh, listened from day one when the podcast first started and, you know, reached out to the guys and said hey i like what you're doing we want to be a part of it i know it's been um kind of nerve-wracking to pick this up midstream for myself i'll be honest because i know it was is uh, a much loved production and just want to make sure like most things i've taken over here with the land trust that i just don't screw it up so that's my biggest worry um so we got jeff on jeff you know i we've talked about this offline um and you guys have heard me mention i used to own a food truck so i know the owner operator life well um we were just kind of talking about some of the pitfalls before we started but um some of, i know you've we've covered it before on the podcast but kind of give us a background you started the store in uh, 2018, 2018 late 2018 okay um came over jeff used to run it was you did carpet padding um and then got into archery targets off the recession yep. in like 2008 you said yep. you had all that phone i always thought that was a really cool story talk to us about that a little bit like yeah our uh, uh origin is is kind of interesting unique and i know we we've discussed it a couple times on the podcast never get tired of ter- telling the story <laughs> because it's uh it's fun it uh uh maybe not the common way that people uh get into uh doing a a business, but, uh, definitely started in manufacturing with floor covering. Um, you know, when the industry got, went pretty South in the housing market in the 2008, 2009, we were struggling for, uh, business in general, tried to come up with a lot of other ideas and, uh, archery targets rose, uh, as a product that we felt like we could make and, uh, that it was, uh, a good product and, and consistent product. So we, Worked on that, honestly, for a couple of years till we got it developed properly and worked with a couple of local shops that gave us some feedback. I didn't have a a archery background at all. Uh, matter of fact, didn't even have a bow at the time. <laughs> I have a I have a few now. Uh, do uh, do some archery hunting now, and, and it is a uh, very enjoyable uh, and become kind of a, a little bit of a passion. Uh, sometimes finding time is is not always easy to do. Yeah. Uh, when you have when you work in the industry that you love, uh, people think, oh man, you must be out there really living the dream and doing all the uh, fun stuff. And that's not always the case. Uh, yeah, you're you working know. while everybody else is playing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So uh, yeah, we went from making Archie targets, getting uh, introduced to a lot of uh, outdoor brands uh, in the outdoor industry, and uh, was just uh, sitting around uh, back in the probably early 2018, mid 2018, and just uh, thinking about you know what uh, you know, what, what can we do? I had, we had sold the, uh, floor covering business in 2017 and, uh, was still making archery targets, but was just kind of sitting around and thinking about some of the brands had been introduced to. And, uh, Traeger was one of them, which I had one in my backyard. And, um, so, uh, just started thinking of some good quality products and thought it'd be a, a nice, uh, I would like to go into a nice store that had all these good quality products in one place. 
So uh, anyway, I reached out to uh, one of my best friends, uh, DeWitt, and uh, we had been uh, friends since freshman uh, in college. We were freshman roommates. and I'm did, not sure I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, we were freshman roommates at uh, University of South Carolina. See, now, Jeff, I'm a Clemson Tiger. I didn't know that. And here I'm sitting across a podcast table from you, and I find this out. I'd seen the collar on his dog's name is Ellie. Yes. On yeah. Ellie's neck and said, man, I don't know. I didn't know you were a Gamecock. Now I'm finding out you're a Gamecock, too, so we can – That'll be fun. We'll have to sit down again at the table come uh, November and That's right. lay down some bets. Because yeah. you guys got us last year. That was painful. Well, you guys still uh, definitely have a higher number of wins <laughs> against us than we do of you guys. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, we were freshman roommates in college, uh, good friends, and have actually enjoyed a lot of outdoor activities over the years and uh, kind of reached out to him with the uh, idea I had. And uh, um, he helped uh, – put it into motion and and kind of our uh thoughts of each other here are i i, I have the ideas he makes things happen so there you go. Uh, we we work together in that respect and um so we all wear many hats here but uh but we try to work on each other's specialties as well and, yeah and uh hammer on those but yeah we uh we put the store together late 2018 um still kind of learning our ways and figuring out you know uh, how to keep the brand strong and of course uh you know when covid hit it was you know we we, we definitely didn't have any kind of uh um, history in the retail business to say you know i mean i know nobody knew how to pivot but we didn't have yeah any kind of ground to stand on but uh, and that was your second pivot i mean you'd been through that once in 2008 right and you're like man i sold that business i'm gonna get into something else and you know 10, 12 years later, here comes another big yeah. dip. Just got to pivot again. Life throws you another curveball. You know, we were, uh, you know, we, we just tried to, I guess, accommodate. And yeah. we, we actually kept the store open uh, just from outside. So we basically rolled product out in the parking lot and told yep. people, come on by. We're still selling stuff. And, you know, even from a sunglass perspective, we would bring a whole pile of sunglasses out on a tray and let people yep. try them on. So, uh uh, we did everything we could to be as safe as possible, but we had to keep rolling. We had yeah. to stay in business. And uh, so, you know, some of the results of COVID was, you know, I guess people having to stay at home um, actually was uh, helped our business in a way. I was going to say, I imagine that kind of return to like everybody all of a sudden has a bunch of free time and gets to start focusing on what do I want to do with my days versus what do I have to do with my days? And I would imagine being in the business you were in, you probably saw a little bit of boost in sales there. Yeah. We saw a lot more activities in the, uh, outdoors. Uh, people were having to stay home and having to find things to do. And, you know, um, our minds are active, so yeah. they're, they're wanting to find something we can do. If we can't go too far, what can we do at home in our backyards? Right. And uh, I think that's where we saw a lot of our uh, sales and, and, and we got a lot more customers. And, you know, fortunately now that we're out of COVID, we are still seeing sales uh, still continue to grow. So uh, I, th I think it was a nice bump yeah. for us, uh, you know, for the results of things that, that, that happened and, you know, people weren't able to travel. I think they were taking vacation money and maybe buying a, uh -huh. a, a Traeger or some other product. So, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's been good. It's been still a learning experience. It's still challenging and we're always, uh, gonna, uh, th find better ways to be better. Yeah. 
always evolving. You got to, I always tell people like, I, you know, it's funny you're talking about getting into this cause it's a, you know, there's some passion involved there. I have been cooking for family for years and everyone was always like, man, this is really good. You should open a restaurant. You should do this. And I'm like, man, I'll jump into that. Cause I love to cook. So this will be great. Cause I'll get to cook for a living. Spoiler alert. I was not cooking for a living. I was mopping floors and doing dishes and making grocery runs and everything, you know, hiring, firing, everything that involves running a business and maybe cook for like two or three hours a day, you know, and everything else was prep work, janitor work, all that fun stuff. Um, but when that came kind of the pandemic happened, it was around March 12th when everything shut down or like really probably the next Monday, that would have been maybe the 14th or 15th. That the days are screwed up. It all got weird there, but I, you know, I, what I tell people, it was the most humbling experience in my life. Cause I never imagined when I was going to open a food truck that one day I would have my three guys looking at me kind of saying, well, what now boss? Like, we're going to have rent due at the end of the month. Are you telling me we're not working at all for the next two weeks? Cause that's going to be a problem. How's this going to work? And having to navigate all that and figure it out was wild. And, um, you know, coming out the other side is admirable. I, my business did not make it out the other side. I ended up kind of folding up and walking away and just focusing on family and moving to some other things. So I always love hearing the stories where you're able to pivot, to navigate, to kind of get it out the other side and come out stronger. Cause I think, you know, most folks who made it through, that was a story you, you, you're better for it ultimately as almost always happens when you face a challenge in life. Like if you can figure out how to work through it, get through it, you come out better on the other side, but something you mentioned back there. So selling a lot of Traegers, you like to cook as well. So you were telling me before we started, you got into it you so Traeger was your intro to the hobby was that when you picked up the line here at the store or did you have a Traeger before you guys opened backcountry so I owned a Traeger before we opened the okay. store and uh I knew enough about the brand and enjoyed my grill that I thought man I, I what I really liked was where the brand was heading yeah I, I kind of was following along with the brand and what they were trying to do in their own category and uh so I saw a lot of positives with what the brand was doing, um, even from a perspective of being a customer. Yes. Yeah, so when you opened up, you knew you wanted Traeger to be yes. one of the, like the anchor brands in the store. Well, the funny thing was, I didn't know what the anchor brand was going to be in the uh -huh. store. <laughs> we just brought a bunch of brands in and yeah. said, hey, you know, I, I mean, when I opened the store, I don't even know if we ever thought, hey, this brand's going to be the one to lead the way, but, right. uh, or which brand it would be. And uh, Traeger's definitely done that, and it is the one of the anchor brands in the store. And uh, so, you know, the re relationship we have with those guys is great. Uh, the relationship now we have with all of our customers is great because of the experiences that they're able to have with their Traeger. We're able to share uh, that with them. And it's, uh, you know, we always tell people when they leave with a grill that uh, – a uh, couple things. You, okay. you get, not only do you get the grill, you get us too. And, uh, and we also want to come, we want you to come back with some good food stories. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your, uh, on your Traeger, like what's the thing that you work on the most? Cause this is something Jeff and I talked about before is like, you never, if you're really into it, you're never any hobby. You never get satisfied with what you're putting out. Right. You always are thinking, I, this could be better. I could get better at this. And that's at people will eat barbecue that I make. They're like, man, this is so good. How'd you learn how to do that? And I'm like, I spent 15 years making terrible barbecue <laughs> is how I learned how to make, you know, you just that trial and error. So what's your, what's your go-to when you fire up the Traeger? What are you doing? You know, probably most the, excited about anyway. Pr probably the thing that I'm changing the most is ribs. Yeah. You know, I, I go through and I still have my core process, but 
always want to change it up a little bit, try something different. Uh, you know, I've had all the ribs that come off the Traeger have been really good, but I've had some that were better than others. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, okay, why was this cooked better? Why was this one different? Uh-huh. Uh, but just about everything I will change about every time. I don't have my... I have a process, a general process for each thing I cook, whether it's chicken or even if it's just burgers, but I will, you know, kind of change it up. I'm never satisfied. I I, I want to, I don't know. I'm, I'm satisfied when I'm eating it. Don't get me right. wrong. But, I, but I, I'm thinking, man, I think I could do better. I think I could do better. And it's not that I think the Traeger can do better because I know how good the Traeger works. I know how easy it is to work and it makes me challenge myself to think, Hey, I think I can do this even better. Yeah. So on ribs, this one, that's an interesting one to me because we used to do a lot of what walk me through your process. Cause I know we got a lot of listeners that love to cook and like, are you, I'm always changing mine. Like I've gone, sometimes I wrap in sauce. Sometimes I don't, I, stopped one of the things i stopped doing on the food truck is pulling the membrane which would always blow people's minds be like you don't pull the membrane off the back and one of the things i learned that in a commercial setting when you're trying to do like 12 to 15 racks at a time and you have to warm hold them to be ready to serve that that membrane on the back will keep them together in the steam table so i started leaving that on but like at home i pull it right yeah i think you know we get to that term that we've we we've talked about at least in store some called meat mush and you uh-huh. don't want it to go too far and that could be the part of right. keeping that membrane on there to kind of keep it a little more together Give it a little bit of bite some chew yeah, yeah. so uh, of course i do cooking at home i uh, i do pull the membrane uh 275 is my full on cook all the way through so okay. i typically go for about uh, two and a half hours uh, straight on uh, meat side up, yep. not, not wrapped. It's just seasoned. I, I, I season it real well, let the seasoning set for about 30 minutes before I put it on Do you have a favorite Traeger rub, or are you making your own? <laughs> no, I'm using a Traeger rub, but okay. man, I'm, I'm or even a meat church rub. Some of the rubs yeah. we use here, I go through, I use different ones. Uh-huh. So I typically go with a sweeter rub sometimes, depending on what else I'm going to add, but I typically will start with a sweeter type rub from either meat church or Traeger. Um, once the, the, uh, seasoning has kind of set in for about 30 minutes, I throw it on the grill for about two and a half hours, meat side up, pull it off. Uh, get me some, a couple pieces of foil. I put about five or six pats of butter. Uh, I squirt honey in there, throw a little bit more seasoning. I throw the meat inside of that wrap it. And then I go meat side down with it wrapped for another, uh, two and a half to three hours. Uh, okay. and you know, every other piece of meat I temp, I just have figured out this, this time frame works good for me. Yeah. Um, usually that three hours gets it to pull apart the two. If I go two and a half and, and then a two and a half wrap, it's going to be kind of a, a bite through. But if I go that extra 30 minutes, it'll be kind of fall apart. It'll be pulling off. Yeah. So that's kind of my base. Uh, what I'm typically changing. Sometimes I will go the whole cook without wrapping it. I may add sauce. And sometimes after the second two and a half, I may pull it out of the uh, foil, put it back on the uh, grate, and put sauce on it. But if I do the two and a half and then I go three, it literally is making its own kind of sauce with, yeah. this, with the butter, the honey, and everything the, yep. in there. So, um, But I'm, I'm, I'm always changing it. But that's, yeah. that's kind of my base go-to. Ribs are always interesting to talk about because that finished texture that you were just mentioning there with the bite versus the pull apart, that can be a very divisive thing. Like in the competition barbecue world, it has to have chew. It has to mm-hmm. have bite. 
you you are physically need to be like if a judge doesn't have to use his teeth to get the meat off the bone he's unhappy with the final product but then at home like in your backyard cookout i've actually done some ribs that i would think man i'd enter this i'd put i'd like box that up and send it to a judge and i'll have people ask me like is this cooked all the way because they see that smoke ring there's a little bit of pink around the outside and it's not just coming right off the bone and you know it's it it can be a divisive thing whereas i think with like pulled pork and brisket it has to be falling apart mm-hmm. and if it's not falling apart you didn't do it right and everybody tends to kind of agree on that so i always love to talk through folks process i was probably pretty close to you when i would do them on the food truck i ran at 275 i figured that out um and we would try to give it five hours at least total two open and three wrapped if we could i would i'm gonna have to try that butter and honey thing i've never tried that i imagine adding extra fat towards the end of the cook especially on a leaner cut like a rib that has a little bit less than say a pork shoulder um that i i don't know that's i had never thought of that i'll have to try that out and report back um (laughs) But yeah, I love doing it. I always used actually, uh, since we're here in Salisbury, I always used the Cheerwine sauce in my food truck. And it's just up in Winston-Salem. I feel like that was a new thing to a lot of people. They'd be like, I've never heard of Cheerwine barbecue sauce. <laughs> Did you make this yourself? And I'd be kind of like, yeah, you know, well, <laughs> just enjoy the ribs. Right, like, right. Uh, you don't want me to pull back the whole curtain on how this process works. It'll ruin it for you. It's like seeing Willy Wonka's factory. You don't want right. to do that. You want to just enjoy the magic. That's right. You know, I've... Uh, was not a cook before I got a Traeger and probably become more of a uh, cook or enjoy cooking, especially since we opened the store, got more involved and more educated with what Traeger can do and what the uh, what the abilities that I can actually do because of the Traeger. I'd never cooked ribs before a Traeger. I'd never done a Boston butt before a Traeger. I'd quit cooking chicken because it would dry out on my gas yeah. grill. And uh, so uh, I literally try to do all kinds of stuff. I actually uh, braised a chuck roast in a Dutch oven uh, while I was at church Sunday. So I just I started it. Good. Oh, it was amazing. I actually uh, chopped it up into some cubes and, and made uh, tacos all week. So okay. um, that Heck was yeah. really good. The gunsmithing program at Montgomery Community College is one of only a handful of schools in the United States focusing on this discipline. The curriculum is designed to prepare students for existing jobs within the firearms industry, with training ranging from basic diagnostics and repair to true custom builds. Courses are available for every interest and level of commitment, from a three-day class to the full two-year degree program. Gunsmithing is considered one of MCC's Heritage Crafts programs. Other specialty programs include taxidermy, hunting and shooting sports management, forest management technology, and pottery. Visit montgomery.edu to see course descriptions and explore the exciting world of gunsmithing for yourself. Summer holiday weekends are fast approaching and you need a Traeger. Stop by and see Jeff and the crew down here at Backcountry and Beyond in downtown Salisbury for all your cooking needs. They got a full line of seasonings, sauces, wood pellets, smithy ironware, cookware. This is the place to be for your outdoor cooking needs for summer. And you're probably checking it on your app while you were at church, making sure the temperature yeah, yeah, was right, running right, straight. Right, right, yeah. right, right, yeah. That's a convenient thing about a Traeger. I use uh, I use a Kamado Joe at home, so I'm still wood-fired. Um, and that's like the fun part of the process for me is that it has to be tended to. You, know, you kind of got to mess with it all day long. But sometimes I think my wife would be like, do you really have to sit out there all day and watch this smoker? And I'm like, yeah, that's how this works. I'm going to sit out here with a cooler beer. I need to be left alone all day long so I can focus. 
And at the end of the day, we'll have a nice product, but you know, not unless I can really focus on making sure this thing holds temp and the nice, you know, it, telling on myself a little bit, they generally hold temp the whole time without me really having to adjust <laughs> much, but it's nice to keep the illusion. Um, well, believe it or not, you can sit with your Traeger all day long. If you like sitting with your grill, you can, yeah, you can sit right you can there. Sit you there got the smoke there. coming That's out. Right. You got the smell, you got all the ambiance. Um, tell me, so you mentioned with the store and Traeger, I wanted to get you to talk about real quick. You guys do events here monthly out on the sidewalk where you are cooking. You got some music usually. When's you, you're, you just had one, but you got another one coming up. When's your next one? Uh, our next, we always do it the, uh, second Saturday. Second of the Saturday. Month. Okay. Uh, sometimes that'll change if there's other events that might kind of cross over, but, uh, usually it's the second Saturday. We call it smoking tunes, smoking tunes. Okay, and, there we uh, go. so we're smoking something on the grill and then we usually have some tunes. We have some local, uh, artists come through here and we, uh, kind of enjoy pulling from the local pool of, uh, uh, of uh musicians and we've had some great great music great people in here uh we've had a a great time uh i always tell people it's a good day to be in the store any day but it's a great day if you come in when we're cooking and yeah i got something rolling. going on yep um jeremy's kind of our lead cook here he is very creative very okay good with what he does uh he gives out his recipes, you know, it, it, with what he's cooked for that day and i have taken his recipes and repeated them at home and Still can't cook as good as he can. So. Well, so that's, I'm glad you touched on that. It's funny you bring that up. I would freely off the food truck, give my recipes out to people. And they'd be like, man, this is how you're trying to make a living. I can't believe you just give me the recipe on this. And I'd go, the magic is not in the recipe. The magic is in having someone else do it for you. <laughs> right. That by the time you've touched every ingredient that's going in that dish and sat with your smoker for, you know, hours and smelled that smoke, that's a really fun thing to do. But you get to the end of that process and you, it's like you've already eaten the meal multiple times over. So by the time you get to sitting down with it, it's a little bit old hat. You know, it's not like it's bad. It's still good food, but just that kind of, it's just better when somebody puts a finished product down in front of you. And, you know, that's that's where the magic is. It's not in anything that I do. It's just in the fact that I did it and you didn't. Right. And that's what right. I would always tell people anyway. Well, you know, the, the next, I guess, step for Traeger and for us here is their new flat rock, their flat top. Um, so oh, yeah. we're, we're getting ready to, uh, and maybe this next Smoking Tunes we'll be cooking on one. So we're getting ready to put a store oh, demo cool. out there. So nice. we're pretty, pretty excited now, uh, not knowing how you cooked in your truck. Did y'all have kind of a flat surface yeah, you cooked so on? Yeah, so I had um, my cook line on the food truck. We had an old hickory gas assist wood-fired smoker. I was called their CTO, and I, I had to really go to war with the Forsyth County Health Department to get them to allow me to put a wood-fired smoker on a food truck under a vent hood. So, like, inside. I didn't have a back porch on this thing with, like, you see on some of those trailers where you just have the smoker outside. It was in there on the line under the hood. So, I had that smoker. We had a two-burner stove. We had a 36-inch flat top and a 40-pound deep fryer, so, like, a two-basket deep fryer and that was our cook line side and we ran everything out of there i love cooking on a flat top i still love it like the ding of a metal spatula <laughs> on a flat it's like clicking the tongs you know you've ever i'm sure some of y'all seen that meme going around where like when you uh, a guy picks up tongs you got to clip them make sure they work you know you're checking i'm the same way when i get a flat top and i have a spatula in my hand i just ding ding i love you know feel like a bocce chef or something who doesn't love that well i like how you talked about the different 
cooking devices that you cooked with. Yep. So that's what we kind of tell people when they come in. Hey, you know, you don't have to have just one. I mean, the Traeger does a lot of things, yeah. a lot of things. But you can also have a flat top. Or if you have uh, a gas grill and you like a super, super hot, you know, whatever. So, you know, having multiple cooking devices is not necessarily a bad thing. No, you got to spread it out. I remember, you know, I was inexperienced when I started. I had no idea what I was doing on the food truck, and I was smart enough to hire some experienced people. And we ran a Sunday brunch. I'll never forget this. My, uh, like, manager, number one guy, Alex, showed up, and he looked over the menu I'd made and that I'd already posted on the Internet and had out in front of the food truck that people were excited about. And he was like, dude, you got to change this. And I was like, what? He was like, you have everything running through the fryer we can't run an entire menu through that one fryer. You got to spread this out. And so for the home cook, I would say if you've got a stove and an oven and a Traeger and a gas grill, and you got, you know, 20 people coming over to your house for dinner, figure out how to spread out across those implements. You can't run it all through one. You're going to get behind, you're going to get stressed, and then you're going to start making mistakes. And who's having fun at that point, you know? So like spread it out. That would be my advice to the home cook. Use everything except for your microwave. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. Forget yeah. about your microwave. Yeah. Well, we, we, uh, we tell people when they get a Traeger that also it can be your additional oven. It can be, um, if you've got a lot of people over, you're needing to bake a dessert. You're needing to do, uh, keep something warm. Even, uh, all the Traegers, uh, most of the current model Traegers have a keep warm function so they can keep food. That's warm. really cool. Uh, so there's the, the versatility is just, is unbelievable. And, and at this point, um, with some of the Traegers we have, uh, you know, even one of them has a, uh, a flat top burner that, you know, if you want to fry something, you could put yeah. a pot of, uh, some grease over there. And I've seen people it. doing this. I've yeah. seen people use those big heavy duty foil trays and mm-hmm. they'll throw it right on top of a flat top griddle, set it mm-hmm. to 350 and you're frying. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. My dad has a Blackstone at his house and I think next time I'm over there, I'm going to have to try that. Cause that's, <laughs> I love getting the grease hot. Like I love fried food. I think there's no better way to cook fresh fish. I mean, I'm all about it. Um, that was probably one of my favorite things to use on the truck was the fryer just cause it made it so convenient cause it's something that's really hard to do at home. You know, we make fried chicken every new year's day and it's like a big process because setting up a deep fryer in your home kitchen it's just generally not a great idea. Like your house is going to smell. It's going right. to smell like a McDonald's. Like it just will for a few days. And there's going to be a thin film of grease on everything around that, uh, around that stove. And, you know, having something like a Traeger where you could take that outside and set that up really convenient, man. That, yeah. Well, cooking outdoors, there's nothing any better. Number one. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> um, in agreement there. And then, uh, there again, just like you said, not smelling up the house, not heating up the house in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, my oven really, I store my cast iron in my oven. I, yeah. don't, I don't use my oven anymore for cooking. It's just for storage. Right. So, um, it might as well be a cabinet at this point. So I, yeah, I've seen it. We, I use my oven probably more than I should. I use it a lot, but I've seen a lot of people doing that and I'm like, man, that's not a bad idea. I'm gonna have to start storing some stuff in there. Although I have a cousin who lives down at the coast and he's got a habit of keeping what he calls his fish grease in a cast iron. You know, some people, I was never like this. I'll just throw it all in the same pot and fry it. Cause it's three fifty, and what's going to happen. It's high temp. Um, but he keeps separate fish grease. And when he was single, had a habit of keeping it in his cast iron, just in his oven. So whenever he came home with some fresh fish, he could pull it out, heat it up, fry it up and, you know, get more uses out of that oil. And when his now wife first moved in with him, she was, you know, he was at work one day, she was at home and went to preheat the oven to cook dinner and didn't know about the fish grease. 
Yeah, that was. Yeah. I, I mean, that was like in 2012, and I still hear that story. Oh, when we wow, all get wow. together. Yeah, she she hadn't forgotten about that one. He didn't, needless to say, he does not keep the fish grease in the oven anymore. Um, so here in the store, you know, it's not just Traeger. I know we talk a lot about that, but one of the things I've seen in here a lot um, that I have some questions about, honestly, because I think it could be very useful. And you were telling me you just used it at Tuck Fest this weekend. Some of the Goal Zero stuff, like that kind of portable power. You've had really good experiences with that. You've, you know, it's as in terms of like a reliable, dependable power source. Like, would you say it replaces a small generator or is more convenient than, or, you know? Well, it depends on how much power you want. We've got different size batteries. We've got, uh, you know, a 200 up to, uh, I think a thousand. And actually BioLite now has come out with the battery packs as well. And we've got a 600 and I think a 12, 1500 with them too. So we've got some big batteries in here that can replace generators to a certain perspective now goal zero makes up to a six thousand that yeah you could really get Good into gosh. uh you know home power yeah for, no, i had a 5500 on my food truck yeah, like yeah. cummins own and it was yeah. 5500 kilowatts so uh um yeah so we we took the uh thousand watt goal zero with us to uh a weekend event in charlotte at the whitewater center uh, called tuck fest it ran our register. Um, we were charging phones on it. Um, we could plug lights into it. We did throw the solar panel to it, and when we got some sunshine, we definitely were pulling. There was quite a bit of time I was pulling more power back in than I was actually using. Which oh, wow. Was, which was a lot of fun. So That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, and the nice thing about these uh, battery units, uh, a lot of these Traegers are very energy efficient, so you can plug these up to your Traeger if you're – if you're working on it with a remote Traeger, if you're if you've got one of the portable ones and you're uh, camping or whatever, these little battery units are great to run those. It's just it's knowing from the battery what you're going to run. You right. Know, there there are certain things that can overpower the battery depending on the size of the battery. So it's understanding that. But uh, it's kind of nice to have the battery. Actually, uh, we're working the through hike this weekend. Yeah. Uh, um, if I'm not sure when the podcast will come out, but anyway, this coming Friday, uh, we'll be working the uh, and we'll we always bring our battery with us so that everybody can charge our phones. Yeah. You guys are aid station in between what's that um because i'm camp host friday night we're the last aid station okay on friday so fantastic so we'll bring an extra 10 it looks like it's gonna rain so i know yeah it looks like it's gonna be wet out there i've got all my rain gear ready to go and you know i'm honestly pretty excited about getting out in the woods i hadn't camped yet this year so excited to get a good gear shakedown before the spring summer camping season that's always something that like when the weather starts warming up and really, I mean, I have wintertime hobbies too. And so when it starts cooling down in the same way, but you kind of got to get through that like gear shakedown. I know you mentioned you like to do a lot of hiking paddle sports. Like I imagine when it starts warming up, it's time to like pull everything out, do a yep. little inventory, see what you got, make sure everything's still in working order. And if it's not, if you're doing your own gear shakedown, just come down and see Jeff and the crew here at Backcountry <laughs> Beyond. They'll get you fixed up. Yeah, we can definitely uh, get you set up for most of your outdoor activities. And uh, um, we're very uh, kind of a general outdoor store. We don't like to say that we focus on one specific outdoor need, but we call it the outdoor or, or the store for the outdoor enthusiast. Yeah, for sure. And something I've noticed is like I – as I've gotten older, especially, and really it is probably mostly correlated with my metabolism getting worse and worse, is that I appreciate these outdoor activities a lot more because I hate going to the gym. I'm not a gym person. I'm not a treadmill person. 
really, I just, and it's kind of ironic that I say this sitting here inside in the podcast too, but I'm not much of an inside person. Like I really prefer to be outside regardless of weather or time of year. I'm just happier that way. And so like outdoor recreation in terms of maintaining health has been huge for me as I've gotten away from, you know, being the 20 something that could just eat and drink whatever they wanted and not gain any weight. Well, I think it's a mental state of mind, uh, to be in the outdoors. It, It definitely helps clear the mind. It, uh, makes you feel um, uh, just at ease. It gives you an opportunity to just sort of think about nothing sometimes, which is, uh, you know, when you're inside, I don't know, your mind wanders too far, or at least mine yeah. does, about what what else do I need to be doing in here? Well, and that's like, we talked about this earlier, but like that's one of the pitfalls of the whole owner-operator thing is like you just, there are no breaks, there is no time off, everything falls to you. If somebody can't make a shift, that's, you know, mm-hmm. you or DeWitt that's got to cover it. If Something needs to be done. If if something happens at the store, that's it's always on you. I, I call uh, fly fishing my head cleaner because you just get out, get thigh deep in a stream, and stop. You can't think about anything but what you're doing right in that moment, and um, that's something it I've learned to appreciate as I've gotten older. That has become you know just anything I can do that gets me out of that day to day to do list, which can be so it can weigh you down sometimes. So those outdoor hobbies. That's huge. Um, and you know, you talk to me a little bit about like you, I know you're into some hiking, some paddle sports, but like one of the things Jeff tells me, I think is really cool is it's all about, you know, his kind of foray into the store was about using, you know, selling the products that you're already using Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, making sure what you're offering in here are things that you believe in that you have used before. And that's kind of rare uh, these days with a lot of stores, especially some of the big box outdoor stores, you know, we love them, we use them, they serve a purpose, but it can be tough when you get in there and you're looking to get an educated opinion on a product before you spend your money on it. And so coming into a play, you know, I've heard Jeff and DeWitt and Jeremy and the whole crew firsthand talk people through purchases and through personal experiences with products. And, you know, I think that's something that really, is overlooked when talking about like the small shop, like backcountry and beyond and kind of, you know, just how valuable that can be to the consumer. I think between the three core of us that are here, um, Jeremy and DeWitt and myself, that um, we just about, one of us is going to own probably something that's being used in here, or have a good experience with something in the store that we can share. And I can always share their experience because yeah. I've heard them talk about it. So, uh, you know, uh, I think we all have our strengths. Um, we all have things that we used more than others. Um, but yeah, having the knowledge just from the user functionality of, of the products in the store helps. You're not just reading a script. You're not just reading off of a website. You know, you're literally telling somebody, Hey, here's my experience. Here's what I've used it for. Here's what, or here's what Jeremy has used it for DeWitt or whatever. And we can share their experiences or our our own experiences. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's something to be said about selling products that you are willing to use and want to use and that are functional either in your outdoor activities, your daily life, or, even when we do events, I mean, we don't yeah. go to events without using the products that we have in the store because they're useful. They're handy. They work. Yeah. All right. Um, so guys, that kind of concludes us for today. We're wrapping up. Um, a couple of things I want to mention real quick is, you know, Jeff talked about the Traeger flat rock. And if you are an impatient person like myself, by all means, Come down and see them, but I do need to mention we've also got one of those. We bought it from Jeff. It's going to be in our conservation raffle. We're drawing at the end of September. 
would love for you guys to support local conservation come out and see us we got some tickets for sale here at backcountry beyond so if you find yourself in the store talk to jeff or jeremy or dewitt or whoever's behind the counter ask him about a raffle ticket because not only do we have that traeger flat rock we've got a traeger ranger the portable model from jeff we've got a garmin live scope and transducer that he is put in for us we've got about six yeti coolers displayed up at the front with a kayak um that jeff has graciously donated for the raffle and you know we're just so thankful for all the help you've given us helping us put that together um you know just can't thank you enough thank you for coming on the podcast and um yeah if you guys as always i sign off with if you got anything you want to hear see any guests you would like to recommend reach out to me at will at trlt.org and um don't forget to come down and see jeff and the crew here at backcountry get outfitted for spring and summer all right appreciate uh being on here appreciate the uh um, opportunities that we've been able to have with the land trust. We really enjoy the mission, the purpose behind what the land trust does. Uh, we're uh, behind it 100%. We like seeing uh, the progress that, that the guys keep making with the land trust. Uh, we're, we're, we're excited to have them here uh, in our location to be doing the uh, podcast. And we're hoping to be maybe starting our own podcast. Yes, thank you. I almost <laughs> forgot to mention that before we signed off. Thank you, Jeff. They are planning on starting a podcast here. So keep an eye out on their social media channels for that announcement. Um, excited to see that take off and watch you guys build your brand and, you know, just love working with you love growing together really appreciate everything and thank yeah. you yep well we appreciate you guys and like i said you want to see some of the prizes for the uh uh for the giveaway um you need to come down here and we've got them uh, as many of them as we can put in the store <laughs> that, that that can be seen so we've got them down here so you can see what you could be possibly winning for just a 100 bucks man you're you're number one you're it's an easy donation to land conservation that's Easy. what we always say is, and that hundred bucks will go to work locally in our 15 county area, likely within the calendar year. That's, you know, one of the things I love about working here is you get to see the impact and you get to see the immediate impact that your work has that, you know, your contributions as members of the land trust and, you know, as supporters of the land trust with backcountry and beyond, you know, we're just so thankful that people get what we're doing because I love working in this field. I know you do. And, um, it's just so nice to know that, you know, people care enough to support businesses that are doing what we do. Yep. Well, um, we love being a part of what you guys are doing. Uh, it's probably more important than what we're doing really. So, <laughs> no. but they go hand in hand for they sure. Absolutely do. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks you listeners for being here. We'll see you next time. If you like the show and would like the episodes to keep coming, you should know that our podcast is just one of the tools that we use at Three Rivers Land Trust to further our conservation mission. Our number one priority and purpose is to conserve land and natural resources for future generations and to be a voice for wildlife and to ensure wildlife populations have habitat forever here in North Carolina. This podcast is just a byproduct to further that mission. You can visit our website at trlt.org to join us in this conservation mission.